0: come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to lliw.net to register. Welcome to the Loma Linda University Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by the message. Amy was just 19 years of age. She grew up in the church and had made good decisions during her young life, she went away to a Christian college and met some wonderful Christian young friends. During spring break one year, four of them decided to drive home. They had a wonderful Thanksgiving with her friend's family. As they were returning to school, driving safely, and singing Christian songs, A drunk driver careened into them, killing her and two of her friends instantly. Only one of the friends survived. You cannot imagine the pain, the agony, and the sadness of her parents and their friends. John was 48 years old and had brain cancer. He took chemotherapy and all the conventional medical treatments his physicians recommended. He and his family were Bible-believing Christians, and many prayer warriors were praying for him. For a while, things were looking up. But alas, he succumbed to this cancer. Where was God? His family asked. Grandma Jones had lived a nice, long life. She was 96 years of age. But her body began to break down. Her family was in anguish as they watched her body slowly deteriorate, writhing in pain until she passed away. They wondered, why did God allow her to suffer like that? And the stories go on and on of loved ones and friends who have died from accidents, disasters, illness, tragedy, and natural causes. And somewhere in the middle of these scenarios is your story. Somewhere in the midst of these stories is your experience of grief, your experience of heartache and pain because of the death of someone you loved very deeply. Practically everyone here today has endured the loss of a loved one or a friend at some time or another. Whether the loss occurred five days, five weeks, five months, or even 50 years ago, there is still an element of sadness and heartache. I was speaking to one of our members just a few days ago, and her mom died 30 years ago, and she became emotional just a few days ago when she said, I think about her every day. And grief is something that has to be dealt with. You just cannot Bury it. You know, years ago, industrialists thought they could just bury toxic waste and it would go away. We have since learned that it doesn't just go away. Toxic waste creates problems for the environment. It leaks into the water table, contaminates crops, and even kills our animals. Buried grief does the same thing. Raw time doesn't heal anything. Buried pain leaks into our emotional system and wreaks havoc. It distorts our perceptions of life, and it taints our relationships. And that contamination happens subconsciously. That's why we encourage those of you who have lost a loved one to participate in our Grief Share program here at the church, which meets twice a year for 13 weeks. It's a great way to get support on your journey to healing. Our next session begins on September 15th. Watch out for the announcements. Healing from losing a precious loved one is a process that takes time and support, not something that you just get over. A friend of mine lost her husband a few years ago. One of her co-workers wanted to ask her out for a date. He nervously approached her and uttered the most pathetic pickup line you can imagine. He said, so your husband has been dead now for three months. Are you over it yet? Well, needless to say, he did not get a date, but he did get a black eye. <laughs> well, I'm kidding about the black eye. He should have got the black eye. Author Edgar Jackson properly describes grief this way. Grief is a young widow trying to raise her three children alone. Grief is the man so filled with uncertainty and confusion that he lashes out at the nearest person. Grief is a mother walking daily to a nearby cemetery to stand quietly and alone a few minutes before going out to the task of the day. Grief is the silent, knife-like terror and sadness that comes a 100 times a day when you start to speak to someone who is no longer there. Grief is the emptiness that comes when you eat alone after eating with another person for many years. Grief is teaching yourself to go to bed without saying goodnight to the one who has died. Grief is the helpless wishing that things were different when you know they are not and never will be again. Grief is a whole cluster of adjustments, apprehensions, and uncertainties that strike life in its forward progress and make it difficult to redirect the energies of life. Friends, grief is a thief who robs you of those you have loved with no remorse, and no one is immune to it. Death is the final hurrah of Satan. The antagonist and arch enemy of the universe, death is his greatest victory against human beings, yet it was never intended for the human race. And while we're at this juncture, let's get one fact clear in our minds today. God is not the author of death. Someone say amen. It was not his will, nor was it ever his intention for any human to suffer the pain of death. He is a good God with only the best intentions for you and me. Jeremiah 29, 11 and 12 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So sickness, disease, and tragedy are not from God but a direct result of sin entering this world through Satan. God made human beings to live forever and never die. You know, aging is not natural in God's original intent, and it's caused by the cells of an organism breaking down. The sickness and disease of sin that made its way into the DNA of human beings were brought into the world by the sinful fall of Adam and Eve and are at the root of why everything gets old and dies in this world. That's humans, animals, and even plant life. My mother said recently that she didn't realize she was getting old until she turned 83. She thought she had escaped that old thing, she said. But now she has an ache here, a pain there. I heard a 90-year-old preacher friend of mine say, everybody wants to get old, but nobody wants to be old. Do you know why people go bald like me? Why hair turns gray like some of you? Glasses are needed to see. Skin wrinkles. Bones get brittle. Muscles weaken and lose mass. Teeth decay. And organs ultimately fail. Everything dies because cells stop dividing and organs stop working, which impairs normal functioning, which is the definition of disease. No matter how much faith a person conjures up, or how many veggie links they eat, or how much anti aging cream they use, they cannot escape it. The process of natural death cannot be cured this side of eternity. However, The mortality of this life that ends in death will be swallowed up one day by the immortality of eternal life when a person dies in Christ. Someone say amen. Amen. You know, it's okay to say amen today. Pastor Randy said it's okay. I asked him. First Corinthians 15, 54 says it best. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, being the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Saints, all the ills that have befallen the human race from time immemorial till today is because an enemy has done this. Now, it's important that we remember this, lest we begin to blame God when the real culprit is Satan. But the best news of all is found in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, where the Bible tells us that the last enemy to be destroyed is what? Death. Death. Oh, yes. Death is an enemy that will be destroyed one day. Hallelujah. So when you hear about disasters, tragedies, and all manner of things that cause us pain and death, I want you to get in the habit of saying an enemy has done this. But one day he will be exterminated and annihilated with no possibility of ever being rejuvenated. That ought to make at least two people shout amen. Amen. Friends, grief has an insidious way of entering our lives without invitation or warning. It fosters fear. It fosters sadness, hopelessness, loneliness, and suffering. It's brutal. It's ugly. And it hurts. But for the child of God, we are not without hope today. Oh no, Paul declares this in our scripture reading. Do not grieve like those who have no hope. Grief hurts, but God's infallible promises will surely sustain you. In our scripture reading, the apostle Paul attempts to comfort the Thessalonian believers. They were sorrowful and mourned the death of their loved ones. They were uncertain about their present state. As believers, we all know the scriptures concerning death in heaven, like John 14:1 and 2. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Or Psalms 116, 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Or Psalms 13, verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We know these verses and even believe them, but because we are human, sometimes we may be blinded by our grief. Now, some of you have had to say goodbye to a precious loved one recently. And if you are consumed with grief today, I want you to know that God has given you some promises that will help you in your time of sorrow. Let's look at a few of these promises. First, we have the promise of rest. The promise of what? Amen. First Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14 states, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. The Thessalonian believers were concerned about their loved ones who had died. Paul declares that they were acting like the Gentiles who possessed no hope. The Gentiles had no hope of a resurrection. They had nothing to look forward to, but the believers had hope. They had a great hope of a better day and a better place. When we find ourselves blinded by grief, we often lose focus of the promises we have as believers we become defeated, discouraged, and even sometimes depressed. Sometimes the tears that fill our eyes hinder our vision of what is to come. But through the promises of God's word, we possess great hope and assurance concerning our loved ones who have died. Oh yes, grief hurts, but God's infallible promises will surely sustain you. Many times when our loved ones pass away, it's after a long-term illness. We have to endure the difficulty of watching them suffer and fight for one more breath. Many times I hear people say, you know, I hate that mom is gone, but at least she's resting. At least she's no longer in pain. And many of you experience that. But that is one of the comforting promises we have through God's Word, the promise of rest. Verse 13 tells us that those saints who have departed are sleeping. Now, contrary to popular interpretation of this text, this passage does not teach that believers go to heaven when they die. If Paul had taught the Thessalonian believers that their dead loved ones were in heaven, why would they be grieving Instead, the comfort Paul offers here is the knowledge that the resurrection will reunite them with those they have loved. And what a beautiful picture of the rest for those who die. Friend, if you have a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, a child, an uncle, an aunt, a grandparent, or a friend who have died in Christ, they are resting in their graves, waiting for the sound of the life giver. Someone say amen. amen. Jesus has overcome death. He has the victory over death and the grave. By our faith in him, we too shall have the victory over death. My grieving friend, Jesus has not only given us the promise of rest, there is another promise for the believer. We have the promise of a return. 1 Thessalonians 4 15 and 16 says, According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise when will rise first in this text paul assures the Thessalonians that the living believers do not precede or have any advantage over the dead the dead in Christ are the ones who rise first that happens just before the, that happens before the living ascend To meet Jesus in the air, the righteous dead are resurrected and given immortality along with those who are alive. And that happens when Jesus returns, not any time before that. What a precious promise to the believer. This promise comes not from Paul, no, but by the word of the Lord. Jesus gives the greatest promise of his return in John 14 in verse 3, which says, And if I go. To prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So, friends, I have good news today Jesus is coming, but he's coming himself. He's not going to send someone in his place. You know, there's a beautiful line in that song, The Midnight Cry, that says, I can almost hear the Father say, Son, go and get your children. Oh, yes, one day Jesus will return for his people. And when he comes, we will leave all the troubles, all the sadness, all the sorrows of this world behind us. And this grief that we experience here on earth will not follow us to that heavenly home. Hallelujah. Friends, we have a promise of rest and Christ's return. And we also see that we have the promise of reunion. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 and 18 states, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we be with the Lord for how long? Come on, let me say it again, how long? amen. Amen. Therefore, he says, encourage one another with these words. Paul speaks of a wonderful gathering of the saints of God. If we are still living at this moment, we will be caught up together with them. Now, just think for a moment about all of those loved ones that you have lost throughout your life. I think of my precious grandmother. We called her Big Mama. I think of the kindness that she had and the love that she had for our family in her heart, but she now rests in Jesus, and I can hardly wait to see her again. See her again. And I'm sure those of many of you have others that you want to see as well those precious people who have meant so much to you, and you just long to hear their voice just one more time. Well, according to what we read in the Word of God, we will be reunited with those who are in Christ. And as great as it will be to be reunited with our loved ones, there is an even better event awaiting us. Paul says that we will meet the Lord in the air. Now, we've seen Jesus only through the eyes of faith here on earth. But one day we will see him face to face. 1 John 3 and verse 2 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall see him like he is, for we shall see him like he is. Have mercy. Saints, we will spend eternity with our Savior who redeemed us. But today I know your hearts are aching because grief hurts but God's infallible promises will surely sustain you. And finally, along with the promises of rest and a return and a reunion, we have the promise of a residence. The last part of 1 Thessalonians 4:17 says, "And so we will be with the Lord forever." Did you hear that? We will be with the Lord forever. This will not be a temporary meeting or a weekend retreat. We will be with the Lord forever, and forever is a long, long time. And oh, what a beautiful residence it will be. The walls are made of jasper. The streets are pure, transparent gold. The gates of this city are made of whole pearls. The foundation is comprised of many precious gemstones. I heard a fable once about a rich man who made it to the gates of heaven. And he didn't want to leave his riches behind. He said, I was too wealthy a man to leave them on earth. So he brought a suitcase of gold bars with him. And when he got to the gate and he saw Peter, he said, look here, Peter, I, I have something with me." Peter said, what's in your hand? He said, a suitcase. Suitcase of what? You don't need clothes up here. He said, no, no, these are my gold bars. I don't want to leave them on earth. Peter said, gold bars? We don't, you don't need that here. Up here, we use that for pavement Have mercy. We are also told of the things that will not be in that place. Revelation 21, 4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. In this world, there will be sickness. In this world, we will experience pain. We'll experience death and sorrow and crying. But for those who know Jesus, we have hope today. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, I say to you that grief hurts, but God's infallible promises will surely sustain you. If you've lost a precious loved one, and many of you have, your hearts may still be aching. But I want you to be assured that you're not alone today. Jesus has promised to never leave you or forsake you. Psalms 147 and verse 3 assures you that he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Unfortunately, there is no timetable for grief, but you can cling to the promise that God heals broken hearts. What a mighty God we serve. He loves you deeply even when you may not feel like he does. Even in the midst of your sorrow, he loves you. Even in the midst of your grief, he loves you. Even in the midst of your tears, he loves you. Even when you're left with the question of, why, God? How could this happen to me? He loves you. Even when you're saying, but God, this doesn't seem fair. I don't understand. Even then, God loves you very tenderly, and he's enfolding you in his arms. And nothing can separate you from his love for you. And one day, one day, one day, hallelujah, a better day is coming. You know, the old Negro slaves in America knew there was a better day coming, which would be when Jesus comes back. And it's reflected in that beautiful spiritual, in that great getting up morning, fail you well, fail you well. In that great getting up morning, fail you well. In other words, they were saying, in that great getting up morning, I'm leaving this place. I'm going to a better place, never more to return. In just a few few moments, we're going to see the faces of precious loved ones who are now sleeping in Jesus, their pictures are going to bring to your minds wonderful memories of the love and times you shared. But even in the midst of your tears, in the midst of your grief, I want you to always remember and never forget that in that great getting up morning, our high priest and the horn of our salvation is going to step away from his holy temple, having completed his redemptive work. He'll come this time not as a babe in swaddling clothes or as a man of sorrows bearing a cross and wearing a crown of thorns, but as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, coming to claim his divine birthright and reap the harvest that he purchased with his own blood. In that great getting up morning, with legions of angels in his company, the resurrection and the life were called the children of the first resurrection to wake up from death and receive their victor's crown and the reward of immortality. In that great getting up morning, saints, the alarm clock would not be a buzz in your ear. It would be the trumpet sounding throughout creation saying, get up, get up. Your long await is over. In that great getting up morning, we'll be given the place he has prepared for us. We'll build houses and inhabit them and plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. In that great getting up morning, we will be reunited with our loved ones from whom we were separated by death. In that great getting up morning, all of our emotional pain and grief will be a thing of the past. Every tear will be wiped away and there will be no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more death, no more funerals, no more memorial services, no more hospitals, no more hospices, no more grief share, no more cancer, hallelujah, praise God. In that great getting up morning, the good shepherd, And the bishop of our souls, the holy and just one who conquered death, is going to open wide the gates of heaven. Oh yes, to those who overcame the traumas of this life and won heaven, not by their works, but by washing their robes and making them white in the blood of the Lamb. And finally, in that great getting up morning, we will see our Savior face to face and walk with him side by side, then we will hear the sweet voice of our Redeemer say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. So friends, today, today, grief hurts. I know it does. But I implore you to anchor your faith in God's infallible promises. Because his promises, his promises, will surely, surely sustain you. If it's your desire to place your faith in God's infallible promises, no matter what you go through here on earth, I want you to just wave your hand right now. Amen, amen. Dear Father in heaven, we have heard your voice. We have felt your spirit. We ask you now to be the comfort that each person who has lost someone dear to them feels right now. We ask that you will be with us now as we watch the slide of these precious souls who have passed on, who rest in Jesus. And Lord, we know that one day all of this will be over, and we will live with you forever and ever and ever. This is our prayer in the blessed name of our best, friend, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Find more podcasts, videos, church events, and how you can support the Loma Linda University Church at LLUC.org.